This is Brian Simmons. And he's accompanied by his lovely wife, Candace. Candace, if you'll stand up as well. The thing I love about the Simmons is they've lived an inconvenient Christian life. And what I mean by that is eight years in the jungles of Panama, I believe you worked with a Wycliffe, another Wycliffe gentleman, a translator, a linguist probably, and they translated, first of all, they revealed the written form of a tribe's language to the tribe, and then they wrote from that language the Payakuna New Testament for them. And they really did it at great sacrifice. They won't tell you that. They'll act like it was fun. But it was fun, but it wasn't all fun. And I just love people who, are, who have really done something with their lives that cost, really cost them something. And that's who you're listening to this morning, and that's who Brian and, and Candace are. He planted a church in probably one of the toughest places in the United States, in the northeast in the shadow of Yale University that grew to close to 2,500 people. And then the Lord, through circumstantial situations, told him to go translate a New Testament, or the Bible, which he has done. And I want to read one of the verse, verses out of the Passion Translation. This is John 15, verse 9. Jesus said, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. And it dawned on me over the years that we're called the beloved. Just say that with me, beloved. That means your job is to be loved. To be loved. And sometimes you have to pay close attention to the God who wants to love you because it doesn't always feel like it. But, beloved, let's give it up for Brian Simmons this morning. Yeah, thank you. Why don't you stand and honor Robin, Donna, the team, their family, all of the team here, the squad, the children's ministry, the hushers, I mean ushers, yeah. Okay, be seated in the heavenly realm. Really good to be with you. It's just just fantastic to be in Charlotte. We have a heart connection to this city because our oldest daughter and and her husband and two of the most heavenly grandchildren you've ever met live here in the Queen City. So we we always jump at opportunities to come to Charlotte. So we love you. Uh well, um you know, Robin mentioned about us learning an unwritten language. I mean, it was crazy. How do you how do you start learning a language that there's no like uh, Rosetta Stone, there's no Babel, there's no software, there's no teacher, there's nobody. You just have to point. So first day in the village, I pointed to a tree, said, "What's that?" I wrote down phonetically as as I'd been trained. I wrote down what I heard. I got my first word. Then I went over to this large boulder rock. I said, what's that? I got my second word. I'm getting excited, you know. First day in the village, I'm already getting a few words. And then a cloud went overhead, so I pointed, and I knew I would either get cloud or sky or shade or something. So I got my third word. I looked at the phonetic write-out of those three words, and it was the same word. 
Every time I pointed and said, what's that? They said, your finger, stupid. They don't point with their finger. They use their lip to point. So I had a major language lesson to learn. You know, the first phrase I could say in their language is, your finger, stupid. Well, I really believe God has a language. And it's not Hebrew, and it's not Greek, it's not even English. It's a language, a picture, the language of story, the language of love. And I want to share, over the next six hours, I want to share with you that, well, I'll stop when I get hungry, uh, five hours. I want to share with you this, this beautiful love story. Before I do, I'd like to give away a New Testament to somebody that's never heard of the Passion Translation. Anybody here that's never heard of the Passion Translation? I see a wonderful young guy there. Yeah, with the ball cap. If uh, He's going to come and bring it to you. Thank you. Uh, please have that read by tomorrow morning. Um, so after we pastored for 18 years, and the Lord, you know, it was really humming. Things were just going great, and we had traffic jams outside of our church all the toilets were stopped up nursery overflowing kids ministry going everywhere we had off-duty cops just to help us with traffic and i mean it was just you know nuts what do you do with with all the people and the lord says hand it over i said what okay uh what are we going to do now that you want us to hand it over like now that we're 40 ish 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 what what do you want us to do and so we handed the church over to a younger leadership team, and they're doing they're doing wonderful. So so um, so uh, blessed uh, to see the church soar, even though Papa's not around. And um, so I thought, well, the Lord would would uh, give us understanding. My wife is quite a dreamer, by the way. She has seven dreams every night, and uh, they are from God. And if you think dreams are just fantasy, you uh, need to read. The Bible. Um, God speaks, Job 33, first one way, then another. The New Testament, the first two chapters of Matthew begins with five supernatural dreams. So it's part of our gospel is that God, Dios habla hoy, God speaks today. He's capable of communicating his heart to us. And sometimes he has to knock us out before he can speak to us. So I thought, well, my wife will probably get a dream and we'll, the Lord will show us what to do. Well, it didn't happen, but I had an encounter. And in this encounter, the Lord commissioned me to do the translation project. And it's been exciting the last almost nine years now to see uh, lives that are being touched by the living, dynamic power of the Word of God. God really wants His, His Word to hit our heart, not just the intellect. We've been trained as you know, great scholars. We thank God for those brainiacs that help us with the Bible. But God has a heart language. And I had to repent as a pastor for saying so many years, you have to get it from here down to here. I repent of saying that. You have to get it here. And if you don't get it here, it doesn't matter what your brain says. You need it right here. God speaks spirit to spirit. Deep is calling out to deep. And he wants to join his word with our spirit in our innermost being. So it needs to sink that deep into every one of us. So I've asked the Lord to help me with, um, and he promised he would, that he'd help me. And it's been exciting to see the translation really uh, 
touched people's lives. I'm really grateful for that. I'm, I'm humbled by it. I'm honored by it and wrecked by it at the same time. So I'm going to preach out of this Bible, then I'm going to give it to Robin. It's because it's for optically challenged people. It's large print, uh, Passion New Testament. If you have a Bible or an app, turn to Song of Songs chapter 1, and I want to share with you about the greatest worship song that's ever been composed. Better than Jesus culture, better than Bethel music. I would say better than Leonard, but man, that last song really wrecked me. That was so good. And before I do, I'm going to ask you to to stand in honor of the king just for a moment. I promise we'll be done by dark. Thank you, Lord. Put your hand over your heart. I'm sure you, you have one. Lord Jesus, speak to us today. Show us that love became a man. God with skin on. Pierced, bled to death. Sacred drops of love that washed my soul. Unveil your glory in a way we've never seen it before. Even the know-it-all that may be in this room. Let us all become children that drink of the love of God. Even without money, without price. We thirst for more. We buy bread and milk and wine without worrying of the cost because you provided it for us. Wrap your glory around us. Embed your word within us. Whisper into our heart this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, be seated in that heavenly realm again. So, Song of Songs, you know, I've, you don't hear a lot of men teaching on the Song of Songs, but I'm going to. It is the most exquisite, beautiful song ever composed. It's not the greatest song of Solomon. It's the greatest song ever. Never has there been a song like this. It always amazes me how little that it's taught and how little that it's read and studied. It's in the heart of the Bible to get into the heart of every believer It is the wisest man in the world composed a song. Don't you think you should read it and really study it? Um, Rabbi Akiba of many centuries ago, Jewish sage taught that the day the temple was dedicated, the glory of God filled the temple. The priests could not stand to minister. But King Solomon did and prophesied these eight chapters that we have in our Bible, written down by a scribe, and now we have it in the Holy Scriptures, the greatest song of all. And I'm just convinced there's a demon that tells Christians, don't read it, you'll go blind, it's erotica, you know, it's it's triple X, don't don't read that, you know, get the kids out of the room. But it's not. If If you'll listen for a second, I can prove it's not. Is there any woman here that would feel excited if i were to tell you your hair is like a flock of goats skipping down gilead and your teeth are fluffy sheep 
and not one is missing. And your nose is like the Tower of Damascus. And inside your, your waist is a mound of wheat. Oh, stop, stop. You read the church fathers and every biblical scholar up until late 1800s, and you'll discover that the predominant view of the Song of Songs is that it is a divinely composed song to move the heart of every believer into intimacy with Jesus Christ. It's a love song. It's a, the, the divine symphony. I can't wait to do this on Broadway, and I'm not kidding. We have plans. That there is a kiss that God wants to give every one of us today. And some of you look like you really need one. Gosh. Don't expect me to do it. But God wants to put, plant one on you. He wants to put a kiss of God upon you. Don't turn to the person next to you and kiss them. Don't do that. But God wants that person next to you. You're okay, all right? You're cool. But the person next to you, they really need this divine kiss. The Song of Songs. It was the first book I translated. I've read, I don't know, 90 plus commentaries. I have one that I carry with me all the time. I'm constantly reading and studying the Song of Songs. I'll be working on this as long as I'm living on this planet. But I I love this song. And it, it, it begins with a kiss. I mean, gosh, what a way to start a book. I mean, boom. I mean, not even slow dance, just boom, kiss. Like, wow. Wait, wait, can we like have coffee first? It begins with these four words, let him kiss me. Would you say those four words? Let him kiss me. If you ever don't know what to pray, pray that. Let him. Let's start with let him, okay? (laughs) Let him. There's no religion, duty, no guilt-driven theology, no heavy yoke of bondage, no you gotta, shoulda, woulda. It's just let him. Let him. If I were to summarize the Bible in two words, it would be the first two words of the Song of Songs. Let him. Isn't that refreshing? I mean, it's like... I'm not giving you one more thing you got to do today. I know exhortation is a commonly used tool in church, and it is valid. But God, she doesn't say, let him give me a sermon. She doesn't say, let him teach me. She doesn't say, let him make me successful. She doesn't say, let him do a miracle. She asks for a kiss. If you would ask for that, God would do it, and your life would be changed forever. Let him. Isn't that beautiful? So work on that for a while, and then you can get to kiss me. You know, I've had prophets want to prophesy to me. I've had teachers want to teach me. Apostles want to apostle me. But let him kiss me. I've seen him kiss others, but let him kiss me. The kiss is the first thing we do to a newborn after we clean them up. We kiss them. And it's the last thing you do, believe me, when you say goodbye to a loved one departing this world. 
It's common to every culture, every race, gender, age. Everyone knows what a kiss is all about. And a cry for a kiss brings him near because it says, let him, third person, to your love, second person, instantly within the space between that first four words, he manifests in front of the Shulamite. By the way, the Shulamite and Solomon come from the same Hebrew root word. One masculine, one is feminine. We are one spirit with Jesus. Is it okay here in this Presbyterian church we talk this way? That we are one spirit with Jesus. We are joined with him. And as his beloved, I mean, his love didn't expire when he died on the cross. The love that is called passion, the passion of the Lord Jesus, in that he, he gave himself freely for people who were crucified. He opened his fist to take the nail. He he. Willingly, he turned his back to those who wanted to beat him. He offered his beard to those who plucked it out. I just translated Isaiah 53. I can't wait to get it into your hands. And it says in his, in his wounding, we are healed. And the, the root word for wounding means to have fellowship. And the, the, the meaning is in the fellowship of his wounds, we are healed. But his love didn't end on the cross. Now, in his glorified state, I sought here in the room today the light of his glorious love. Nearly every one of our worship songs today, it was the glory of his love, his wonderful love. And I, I really believe a love revival is coming to Charlotte. Can you handle it here in a Lutheran church, can you handle a love revival? God wants a revival of love to sweep over us, knock the daylights into us, and to drive fear from us. I mean, fear and shame are no longer a part of these last days awakening that God is, is going to release. It's a love revival, and it's an army of love. It's actually an army of gazelles. <laughs> The Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth or Yahweh Sabaoth, the, the root of that can also be translated the, the, the captain of the army of gazelles. <laughs> you ever been hurt by gazelle? Probably not. So this, this you know, I, I can't do anything but give you an entree, an appetizer, a, you know, a starter here in our brief time in the next three hours that we'll have. So I, I can't really take you very far. I wish you would, you would go head first, heart first into the Song of Songs. We have some materials back there. And, of course, I've done a – we had a Hollywood film crew uh, tape me teaching, I don't know, 20 sessions, 19 sessions maybe on the Song of Songs, verse by verse. I go through every – Single part of it, we're raising up hundreds and hundreds of Bible teachers that will teach the Song of Songs in the last days. I mean, I teach a lot of other stuff. I do other things besides Song of Songs. But hey, I'm here with you today, and this is the one thing that I know will change your life because of what it's done for me. The kiss of God is what every person cries out for. Every alpha dog male in this room that won't admit it, that's what they cry for. That's what they long for is unconditional 
unending love that thrills the soul, that, that gives us a passion and something to live for, something to die for in our life. And this divine kiss, it will, it will wreck you. It will change you forever. So come to the play when we do it on Broadway. So the fact that we're his, his lover, we're not his worker bees. We're his lovers. It's great to be servants. And then we become sons and we're getting really close. But there's nothing more intimate than bride. Oh, by the way, um, this will change your life if you'll listen. The last word Jesus spoke on the cross. What was it? It is finished. It is is not in the text. It's just to tell a story, which means completed or finished. But here's the deal. Jesus didn't speak Greek on the cross. We have him speaking Aramaic. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. So we know that he spoke Aramaic, his heart language, a dying man. I've been in the room of dying men. You speak your heart. He's not going to speak his second language. I don't think he even spoke Greek. So in other words, what did Jesus speak? Well, the Hebrew word is kala. Everybody say kala. Yeah. Kala means finished. But kala is a homonym. When Jesus visited me, he gave me the secret of homonyms. Now, do you know what a homonym is? Or did you sleep through eighth grade English like I did? Okay, a homonym is a word that has multiple meanings, but it's pronounced the same. It also could be called a homophone or a homonym. Uh, we have a lot in English, like bank can mean where you put money. It can mean where a river goes between, you know. Sea can be a letter. It can be an ocean. It can be our sight. The only thing that links them is the phonetic sound C. Kala has another meaning. What if for 2,000 years the church has been robbed, not maliciously, but, but we've been deprived of a possible meaning of the last word Jesus spoke? You better sit down for this. When you come to Israel with me in October, <clears throat> is that manipulation? Yeah. Uh, I would love for you to come. I would love for you to come and send Leonard and Robin to be with me in Israel. But we'll ask any Hebrew speaker. You ask today, any Hebrew speaker, hey, what does kala mean? What do you mean? Everybody knows what kala means. Bride! Bride! The last word Jesus spoke. Bride! Of course it's finished. I'm not taking anything from you. But who did he finish it for? Then he gave birth to her. Blood and water, mom, came from his side. How can he be the everlasting father and not give birth to sons and daughters? Yeah, we were born. The heavenly Eve was born at his side, the eternal bride. We were washed in blood and water. That's how we have been born into the spirit realm. 
and now linked spiritually forever in eternal love to our heavenly bridegroom. We are one with the three in one. Man, this is so amazing that we're one with the three in one. You can't like marry any more up than that. Bride. Let him smother me with kisses. The Hebrew is plural. It's one isn't enough. I mean, I kissed my wife 47 years ago when we got married. For some reason, she still wants me to do it every once in a while. One isn't enough. And so it is with our relationship with the Lord, right? Now, the kiss obviously is a metaphor. Don't think of Jesus kissing you on the lips. That's weird. But it is a metaphor. And much of the Bible is in the language of spirit. It's in the language of metaphor. God speaks in picture. And in terms of accommodation, that's the literary term used. In terms of accommodation, he shrinks down the revelation in a way that we can get it. Okay? So this kiss is a metaphor of of the flaming love of God being wrapped around your soul, healing inside everything that needs healed because there's some things that won't be healed except by divine romance. It will not. But this kiss has the power to inflame your soul and you go into a pursuit of Jesus so intense that you'll go anywhere, you'll do whatever he says, there's, there's no price tag to this love. Rivers cannot, cannot put out its fire. Many rivers cannot put out this fire. They should put a warning label, sticker on the book, you know, warning, song of songs, the last words of the martyrs. Ten to one, the last words of the dying martyrs as they gave themselves to the flames and to atrocities that you don't even want to talk about. But their last words were quotations from the song of songs. Well, let him kiss me. Your love is sweeter than wine. It's better than wine. It's, you know, the word kiss is nashak. It's okay we do a little bit of a homonymic Hebrew lesson. Hebrew is a homonymic language. Linguists call it homonymic in that virtually every Hebrew word has multiple meanings. I just saw one of my friends. Hey, good to see you. Um, so that means the word for kiss also means something else. Would you like to know what it means? Okay, men, listen up. The word for kiss means to take up weapons and go to war. It's to be equipped for battle. It's the word nashak. Nashak. So this helped me when I understood that. That it's the kiss that makes me a warrior. And I'm not a real warrior until I've been kissed. Some of you want to do battle, that's great. Get kissed first. Because love will will be the fuel to inflame your heart to the end of time. But it also has a third meaning. Nashak also means to take a drink of wine. And the early expositors and church fathers all taught 
of the inebriating love of God, the intoxicating love that you drink of this love until you can't take any more and you live in the thin place of too much, not enough. One instant, it's too much. The next, it's not enough. And to be in that lovesick realm of, of I have to have more, but how can I take more? That's where God is going to take the last day's church and where he wants to take you into the bridal company, into this realm that goes way beyond correct doctrines and church order. And, and, and those are all valid, legit stuff. But, but it goes beyond. There's a higher realm. There's a higher level. I mean, if there's at least three heavens, then there's a higher level than some of the stuff we have been listening to and fed, been fed on. And I think this highest realm is that Himalaya mountain peak of the love of God. Mount Everest, it is the highest realm, and so few go there. Let him kiss me. I'm out of the closet, bro. I, I don't care. I'm way past that. You know, like, I, I struggled at first. I mean, you're not going to get a wedding dress on me. I, I'm not going to go down the aisle. I, that ain't, that's not me. But I worked it through. I, I'm, I'm over it, okay? And I have no issue now that I know of. Of saying, I'm the bro. I'm part of this bridal company, and I I love him in public and I love him in private. And I think he wants to get you there. That this isn't just, you know, the right rules and the right doctrines and guilt-driven theology that will remind you every day what you're not. Where he calls you flawless, he puts a crown on your head, and watches you grow up to fit it. He says things that are not as though they are. He describes you in your flawless bliss when you're feeling like you deserve a lecture. At your worst moment, he gives you a kiss. When you're the weakest, he gives you a kiss. There's something about this love that, that, that is not human. It's not, I guess this is why we don't teach much from the Song of Songs. Because it's scary love. He calls her his dove. My dove. I think it's four times in the Song of Songs. By the way, he, he, calls, her, he calls her lovely. You are lovely to God, all right? Even if you have a beard, you're lovely to God. Male or female. He calls her beautiful. He calls her beautiful eight times. And three out of the eight, it's oh, how beautiful. Eight is the number of new beginning. We're the new creation species. We're, we're, we're the new order that he instituted way before Pentecost, 50 days. It was at the cross where we were born in the wounds of his side. The split open wound of Jesus, the rock that was split in that heavenly realm. That's where we were nested, not in a cage, but in his wounds. And he calls you his dove. And in chapter 2, she's not even going to go with him to the mountains. It's all the subplot of Song of Songs. When we do this on Broadway, you'll see it. But the subplot of the Song of Songs is how to take your bride to the mountains, how to get her out of this realm and into his. You know, he came into our world. Now we need to get into his. And, and how he takes us into that realm is by love 
affirmation, no pounding the pulpit, no telling us how lousy we are, not even a rebuke. The closest thing he comes to rebuke in the Song of Songs is people who judge her. (laughs) That's the closest he even comes. Even then he charges us by the gazelles and the does, by Bambi, you know, of the field. So he's so tender. He's so infinitely kind. When he visited me in my room, I burned for days. I'm not any better than anybody in this room. I got my flaws. My wife's here to verify. But he comes when we ask. His love is so intense. But she doesn't want to go to the mountains. He calls her my dove, knowing that she won't go. And he calls her his dove. I would call her my tortoise, my buzzard, my hippopotamus. What do you mean? You're not going to go with me. He says, my dove. Twice, he says, arise, come away, arise. You know, people have said long before I that the, the greatest, the sweetest word in the English language is the word come. I think they're right. And in the Song of Songs, he says, come, come away, come away to a higher place. You don't belong on the couch. You belong on the mountaintops. He came to her leaping over mountains to to show her what he will do in her life. And he says, show me your face. Let me hear your voice. For your face is lovely. and Your voice is sweet. Wow. That's gooey, man. That's ooey gooey. Your face is lovely. Your voice is sweet. Show me your face. We've sung for many years. If I could only see your face, Lord. And he says, show me yours. Take the veil off. The the wall that divides us, the veil of I'm not good enough. You know, his banner over me is try harder, right? His banner over me is someday I'll like you. His banner over me is double tithe and work hard in the church. What is his banner over me? That's chapter 2. She hasn't even gone to the mountains yet. And in the wine cellar, it's not the banqueting table, hashtag wrong translation. He doesn't take us to the banqueting table. It's the house of wine. He takes us to the house of wine. It must have been Baptist translators. He takes us to the house of wine. You know, when God has a prophet, He'll speak dreams, visions, different ways. But with my servant Moses, Numbers 12, isn't it? With my servant Moses, how did I speak to him? Face to face. Hashtag wrong translation. That's not what it says. Mouth to mouth. When I have a prophet, I'll speak different ways. But I found one that I could speak mouth to mouth. Wow. Moses inhaled. Yeah. I'm telling you, uh, that, that may make you write five books of the Bible. Not really because the Bible's closed. No more books are going to be added. But, but th- this, this uh, place of sacred intimacy, the kiss, is, is what you're made for. And I'm, I'm just about done. Another two hours. No, I'm, I'm going to be done here in a second. Quicker than you 
expect. My church told me I had more closings than a realtor. (laughs) I said, yeah, but I want more fillings than a dentist. Dad humor, I know. Okay, maybe granddad humor. Um, Song of Songs 4. Oh, gosh. This this is just so, I mean. (sighs) Every part of you is so beautiful, my darling. Perfect, your beauty. Flawless. Now you are ready, my bride, to come with me as we climb the highest peaks together. Come with me through the archway of trust. That's a manna. It's where we get the word amen. It's a covenant. The archway of a manna or trust. We will look down from the crest of the glistening mounts and from the summit of our sublime sanctuary. Together we will wage war in the lion's den and the leopard's lair as they watch nightly for their prey. For you reach into my heart with one glance of your eyes. You reach into my heart with one flash of your eyes. Uh, Some translations, you have ravished my heart. I like that. I got to go to Belfast, and I shared with them that you have ravished my heart. Yeah, they weren't impressed either. The ravished heart. Can you imagine ravishing the heart of Jesus Christ? Your worship, we get so centered on what it does for us. And not what it does for him. How we move his heart. That one glance of our eyes. The eyes speak of our worship. One glance as we turn away from pain, imperfection, stuff at home. We turn away with a glance of love that adores him no matter what. That ravishes him because we've never seen him. We're loving an invisible man. And for him... To have a people that, that love him in their pain. And, and, and yet, there he is. And will love him anyway. Loss, grief, the sting, the pain of what we go through. And to love him anyway moves him so deeply. You've ravished my, you've conquered me. The, the, the Hebrew word is such an interesting word. A compound word that is linked to a medical term, you give me arrhythmia. I need a pacemaker. My heart skips a beat. I get a regular heartbeat around you. There's something about you that you've stolen my heart. You've ravished, stolen. I mean, you brought ecstasy. I did a study of all the different translations, 50 of them, different words they use. And the... uh, Douay version actually comes somewhat close, and it says, you stripped my heart bare. You've uncovered, it's, the, it's stripping the heart, opening the bark off of a tree. You, you've done that. You've exposed my heart. You've stolen my heart. One glance, just one glance, just one, and you've stolen his heart. I'm held hostage by your love. I'm overcome by a glance. You've conquered me. 
How does it feel to conquer Jesus Christ? Nobody conquers him. I mean, he's the inconquerable, inconquerable, unconquerable, inconquerable Christ. All the demonic hordes of hell cannot do what one worshiper does. One weak, frail, life still a mess worshiper does more to Jesus Christ to conquer him than every principality, power, uh, hemispheric level, the hierarchies of darkness. None of them combined can do what the weakest in this room can do to him. Now, if you conquer a conqueror, why, that would make you more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror through him who... Yeah, I'm going to write a book on Pauline theology and its foundation in the Song of Songs. Winnie Banoff and I are going to co-write it. (laughs) All right. Closing number two. Chapter six, verse five. And this is closing two and a half, really. I'm I'm really just about done, I think. Turn your eyes from me. I can't take it anymore. I can't resist the passion of these eyes that I adore. Overpowered by a glance, my ravished heart undone. Held hostage by your love, I'm truly overcome. Can you imagine Jesus saying, turn your eyes from me? I I can't. This is so intense what you're doing to me. You've forgotten that he's a man in heaven. He didn't leave his body when he went to heaven. He's a human being in the Trinity. Of course he's God. You'll never hear me diminish in any way the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But he's also the Son of Man. And I'm telling you, folks, a human being is inside the Trinity right now who is moved, who saved himself, so to speak, for a bride that would be gathered from the nations, that would love him intensely to death. They love not their lives to death, but they love him to death. And that passionate people will stand on the earth in these last days. And and Jesus at the head of them, this mighty army, fire surrounding them like never seen before. And this glorified bride, those he justified, he also glorified. There is a glorification of the bride that's taking place right now. The first reformation brought justification by faith, but the second that is underway now is bringing glorification by faith. The same faith that saved you glorifies you. Put that to work. (laughs) Shining ones are coming. Daniel 12, verse 3. Glistening ones in the glory are coming. They're going to come and walk the earth again. I had a dream about you all. And the Lord called you daybreakers and dawn makers. But for him to say to his ravished, uh, to, to the ravishing bride, turn your eyes from me. I, I just can't take this anymore. I can't resist the passion of these eyes that I adore. Overpowered by a glance, my ravished heart undone, held hostage by your love. I'm truly overcome.
It's time for us to conquer him, to overcome our... You know what the word overcome is in the Hebrew? Rahab. You have Rahabed my heart. <laughs> yeah, I found that when I was translating. I'm going, whoa, how come we don't get... How come nobody teaches this? You have Rahabed me. I mean, Rahab, that chick had some issues. Like the lady I saw walking down the street the other day, she had a T-shirt on and said, my issues have issues. I crossed the street and decided I'd go a different way. <laughs> Rahab had issues. I mean, you can imagine what the women thought of Rahab. Don't even think about what the men thought of her. She was in a cursed city. It's the only one in the city that had faith. And she became part of the genealogy of Jesus. Did you know that? Great, great grandmother to David. Because she was an overcomer. You have one more thing to overcome. His heart. Press in. Let prayer inflame you. Become a walking prayer meeting. Holy of holies on two legs. Dust and deity mingled a dispenser of the divine, carry like Mary, the Christ of glory, to literally release him and his presence wherever you go. A last day's company is arising, and they're lovers. They will, they will do anything, go anywhere for him. And they, they will be lovesick. They will probably be obnoxious to some in the religious crowd. They, they will want to pray more than you do. And, and, and longer. And they're, they're going to be lovers. If you look up the word mystic, it's not a no-no. It's not a naughty word. They will become mystical lovers. Locked into the bridal chamber, the cloud-filled chamber. The king brings me into his chamber. The Hebrew is, is the, the, the uh, room inside of a room. Let the king bring me into the room inside of a room. Is there any place in the Old Testament where... Israel went inside of a room, inside of a room, the Holy of Holies. Let him bring me there. It begins with a kiss and it ends with a seal of fire. A fiery solar flare of love that, that burns on our heart. I didn't turn my watch to the right time. I have another hour. No, no. The seal of fire. Would you stand and receive it right now? Your life is not memorizing Bible truths, being able to quote a Bible verse. I memorized half the New Testament and didn't love my wife the way I should. I, I committed to memory the first two years of my Christian life, half the New Testament. I was a maniac with the scriptures, but I didn't love my wife and treat her the way she deserved. So we've been married 47 years, and 46 of them, 45 and a half of them were really good. I had a lot to learn. A 20-year-old that got married, I came out of LSD to GOD in one day, and it, it took me. God, I, you know, I'm a work in progress. But I can, I could tell you from sad experience that Bible knowledge puffs up that that knowing the scriptures even gifts of the spirit they're awesome but there's a higher level 
There's a more excellent way that we're given in the scriptures. And it's, and it's the way that God is inviting you to walk on today. And it's the way of divine love. In the Aramaic, the word for love, when Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? He didn't say agape and phileo. and He didn't say that. He, he was speaking Aramaic. Peter was a bro, a Galilean, and he spoke Aramaic. And the word was huba. Do you huba me? Mm. Well, huba is a homonym. It means to light a fire and also means love. And the implication is that love is a fire that burns. Would you put your hand over your heart one last time? I want to release over you the seal of fire, a flame divine. It's in you. You have it. If you know the Lord Jesus, if you do not know the Lord Jesus, then you invite him into your heart right now, and he will come to you. But he wants to enter your heart as a flame of fire, a seal of fire, a seal of acceptance, a seal of approval, a seal of protection, preservation, a seal that will be unbroken in time and eternity, a seal of living fire that will burn in you long after my voice is silent and we scoot out of town. The fire of his love is going to burn in you for days and weeks and months and years until we gather on the other side and say the half was never even told us. Lord, I ask for my beautiful friends, Lord, that you will release to us, each of us, the living flame divine, the seal of fire. Put it over our heart that we will define ourselves as the one whom Jesus loved. We will see ourselves as the one who ravishes his heart. Let not rivers of persecution, rejection, misunderstanding, or pain dim that fire. Let it burn even brighter through rejection when people mistreat or misunderstand. That love will win. Love will, effervescent love will come to the surface. Let this solar flare burn. Help us in our journey, Lord. To be authentic Shulamites, one with you. Unravel your mysteries into our heart. Take the shades and nuances of your love, the deeper hues, the texture, the poetry, the lyrics of love, the poetic nuance, let it all burn inside of our hearts that we would become daybreakers and dawn makers for the city of Charlotte. In your holy name, amen. Why don't you take a seat for another moment? We want to uh, 
like for us to receive an offering for the Simmons today. And if I have some ushers, and here they come. If you want to um, give by cash or check, raise your hand. We'd be glad to give you an envelope. Or you can go once again to, you can text 77977. And actually, it's interesting. I did that. You text QCC giving, and then you follow the link. And Safari cannot open the page because the server cannot be found. So what you do then, you follow the prompts, and on the giving page, you'll see funds. If you tap funds at the bottom of the screen, you'll see an option to select guest speaker. So if you're going to give by text, um, make sure you select guest speaker so the money goes into that category. Or from our website, queencity.church. Again, you can select guest speaker there. And then there's always money, cash and checks. You guys want to go ahead and pass the bucket there. and Let's do this. Let's audibly and with a loud noise appreciate Brian and Candace again for the message they gave us. How many of you would like them to come back? Yes, we'll probably have them back. Depends on how he behaves at lunch today. <laughs> I would like to see you misbehave some, though, Brian, honestly. I got a feeling you get in that uh, that wine room and it's all over but to shout. One of the old Scottish divines said, if you ever find yourself in the cellar, Look for the cask of wine. You can drink your way right out of a depression if you know how to drink from the Holy Ghost. I'm serious. You really can. And it will transform you. It will help you. It will be humiliating and a little embarrassing. But all of that will probably do you good. Is that okay? Come on. It's okay. Thank you, Jesus. I have uh, been a holy roller with some of the best of them. I like it when the Holy Ghost really touches. I like it when the Holy... Brian, isn't it amazing when the Holy Spirit touches unsuspecting people and they're shocked at how good the Lord is and then they try to explain it to their moms when they get home or it doesn't... Anyway, okay, everybody good? We do have a ministry team. Is that correct, Stephen? Yeah, guys, if you need prayer for anything, if you want the Lord to heal you, if you need a prophetic word or to be encouraged, you can come up front and we'll be happy to pray for you. Um, But otherwise, have a great day, guys.